0: Welcome
1: everyone to episode number 18 of a series of episodes called Leading Others to Christ. Those of you who have been listening to these, you know that during these episodes our focus will be on evangelism. We have a lot of goals that we would like to reach with this, but one of them is really to revive us again, to to stir us up, to love and good works, but especially in the area of evangelism, where we're reaching out to others, where we're leading others to Christ, our family, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, uh, whomever in our community. My name is Dan Barker, and I preach for the Creekside Church of Christ in Franklin, Indiana. Franklin has about 28,000 people. We're 20 miles south of downtown Indianapolis, to give everybody kind of a ballpark idea of where we are. Those of you that know me know that I'm passionate about leading others to Christ. And I have been ever since I was taught the the gospel and obeyed it when I was 21 years old in Owensboro, Kentucky. And I've always been striving to, to learn. And I'm still learning. I'm 74 years old, but I'm still a work in progress. But to use some Bible phrases, striving to teach others, to sow the seed, uh, to be a fisher of men, to make disciples, to teach others, to teach. And particularly using what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, two, and the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men, and obviously women, who will be able to teach others also. So I came up with this idea to identify those Christians, men and women, uh, around the country, and then eventually around the world, the fellow workers who are doing this, who are reaching and leading others to Christ, who, and then... Uh, once we've identified them, to do an interview and find out who they are, where they are, what's their background, uh, what tools are they using, and and see what we can learn. Because uh, if we could just learn one thing from one of the interviews that can help us in our local work, then then it's been very beneficial. Quite frankly, the response to this has been just been outstanding. And, And we're excited about that. We're still learning how to do this. But but those of you that are that are listening, if you would, please continue to share this with uh, with your friends on Facebook and in other places so we can get the word out there. Today, we're really excited to have with us one of my old buddies, Rick <laughs> Lanning. Rick Lanning. Hey, Rick. How are you?
0: I'm great, Coach. I bet you I'm the only guy you've interviewed that could call you Coach. Not you, brother, but Coach.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're exactly <laughs> right. Uh, uh we're so excited you'll you'll hear in a minute why the the coach thing but but rick rick worked with the church in in minnesota and uh with the uh, northwest church of christ there and i guess rick i was thinking back obviously i know when but we first met when did we first meet
0: 1971 wow
1: and and so the people what was the setting
0: well the setting was that i just graduated from high school and I, I love basketball. I just loved it. I played it in high school and I wanted to, I'd always dreamed of maybe playing some college ball. And then I came down to so what's going to go to Florida college where you were the coach and I begged you for a tryout. And, uh, so you let me try out and I, and, uh, and, and I don't know what you were thinking, but you, 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 you let me get a uniform <laughs> really? and, uh, yeah. and boy, I, my, my goal, my dream was to play in the NBA and, uh, I don't know what happened coach. I don't know.
1: Sorry, You needed (laughs) Hey, probably, you needed a better coach, Uh, but anyway, uh, but now Rick, we've got, we've already talked a little bit prior to this, but a lot of, a lot of great stories, a lot of great memories, but, um, Hey, I finally, my wife just snuck down here and Hey, Hey, yeah. Uh, some, uh, some notes that Rick sent to me earlier. Why don't we, uh, go ahead and get into this and, um, Uh, start out with what we call in that elevator pitch or uh, a bio about where you know where you were born and to tell everybody a little bit about Rick Lanning.
0: Okay well I was born in Tennessee Jackson Tennessee and uh, my mom and dad were members of the body of Christ. Dad had been told after he got out of World War II that uh, from preaching in Eugene Clevenger there in Nashville area what are you going to do with your life and and dad was trying to figure out what to do and and he said, he said, "We well, you know, I might be a preacher. And he goes, Earl, what you need to do is we, the church needs elders more than they need anything else, They need elders. And dad set his goal at 20 years of age to become an elder in the church. And he became one at 40 and he remained one until he was 91 and passed away. So he was an elder in the church for 51 years. And, but the, what I love about my dad is he just had a passion to save souls. And he got that from World War II, going over and seeing so many die in front of him, seeing so many people. And he said, I've just got to do something. These these souls are lost. And so uh, he became he became an evangelist in every sense of the word. He was in the insurance business. But he instilled in me and my brother. Uh, you know my brother, Ron. You worked oh, yeah. with him in Kentucky there for a while. Ron became an elder in the church down in, uh, in Mississippi for a while before he moved back to Tennessee. And uh, then I've got two sisters that are married to elders in the church. So that kind of gives you an idea of how my dad and mom worked with us and instilled within us. My dad started an evangelism program when I was in, in Memphis, Tennessee, in Winchester Road Church. And, and, and when I was just a little bitty tight, he would take me to the, to knock doors and to, uh, they set up Bible studies. And so I would sit and like Brent Hunter said, you know, in the, the Jewel Miller, I got to turn the, uh, the slides, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so I, I learned that that lesson backwards and forwards. And I saw my dad convert a lot of people to Christ and, that just instilled within me a desire to, to, to think about that. But I still don't know if I wanted to preach. So when I went to Florida college and, and you have no idea what your impact is on my, my life, because you remember when that summer after 71, you asked us to come back and play basketball during the summer. Yes. And Wilson and I came back and we stayed in a little house, Miss McCartney's house. And, and, uh, and all of a sudden we started getting invited to preach at various little churches all over Florida. And so while we were there that summer, every single Sunday we were preaching somewhere and Wilson and I both got this thing in our hearts that, you know, this is, I was going to want to be a dentist or something, you know? So well, you know, I like this. And uh, man, this is, and so it just was a feed off of what, what my dad had taught me. And so I got to thinking about it. So you're inviting me down for that summer to play basketball, got me involved in preaching. And, uh, and that got me just, and then that first baptism, you know, coach, when you teach that first person and you baptize them, Yes. Man, that gets your goosebumps going, and uh and that's I was sold from that moment on. I haven't looked back, and so here I am, uh, sixty-eight years old and still doing it.
1: <laughs> well, that's that's so good, and you know the, and you know this, but I didn't grow up in the church. Uh, my right. parents were Christians, and uh, just all the uh, once I obeyed the gospel and all the trauma with that of of a family that. Uh, I'm still trying to teach them but the the difference that you had in growing up exposed to all the things that your mom and dad were doing uh, versus the things that that I was not exposed to right you know yeah you had a lot of advantages and anybody in your situation or or like situation uh, and I know you guys I know everybody if they're not thankful for that maybe they don't appreciate I think sometimes people don't appreciate what they had you know oh yeah (laughs) but but I've also seen different approaches where somebody looks at evangelism coming from my background to your background. It can be different. It can be the same, but the, the approach can be sometimes different and sometimes in good ways and maybe not so good ways. But what a blessing it is that that your dad, uh, want, that he had that desire and you were able to feed off of that. So that's-, that's I,
0: I think, Coach, I, I thank my God every day for my dad. He passed away three years ago, but he always taught me. He said, Rick, do you know how many people- are going to die today in the world. That, that that just that took my breath. And you know in the day that Jesus was born, that there were about 300 million people populating the entire earth, 300 million. We have 330 million in America alone now. Yes. When I was born, there was a little over 2 billion people on planet earth. There's 7.8 billion now. Wow. And they'll you know won't be long it'll be 10 billion and uh and so I get to thinking about that and it just I, you cry. You just cry about how many people are going? Every single second, there's 1.8 people that die in the world. Every second, two people meet their maker, and and it just uh, just overwhelms me some. And so I, that's what we need to instill, instill into the hearts of these people. Now well, I, I love you. I love you guys for doing this.
1: Well, we we love you for saying that. But it, it's uh, you know it's just it's sometimes you know we all learn different ways. You know some are visual, some are uh, whatever, but hands on or but even sometimes to hear the numbers and just start, you know, people really are dying. And I, I don't think about the fact that almost two people die every second, you know, I'm too busy mowing the yard or whatever, you know, and, uh, but just to realize that people really are in, in uh, danger of where they're going to spend eternity and we're walking past them every day. Um, wow. so that's what we're trying to do. And, uh, so many of us, and I, you know, I don't know why. I don't know. I can't say that we weren't taught that when we were new Christians. Or if we were taught it, we didn't get it. Or, yeah. we, or we didn't make app, uh, the application. But uh, that's why we're trying to stir people up. But anyway, I, as we go here. All right. Now, there's so many things to talk about. But So I, I was going to have my question down. Why are you a gospel preacher? You already told me. So I, <laughs> I, I love that. And, and I, the next one was a mentor growing up. So your dad, yep. um, who else maybe would you list as, a, as a, uh, one of your mentors as you were deciding on what you were going to do?
0: Well, there were two deacons in the church there, Oliver Newby and, and John Hurt. And, man, they were just they were just salesmen. They worked at regular jobs, but they had a passion for souls. And, and they would grab me on that Monday night. We had a personal evangelism class my dad started. And we would all come, everybody meet at the building on Monday nights and we'd go out and, and the follow up on the visitors who showed up and, and uh, follow up on people and, and try to get classes going, knock doors. And those guys were just on fire for the Lord. And they had both been converted out of the world. And, uh, and they took me aside and they and I'd go with them to these classes. And, and uh, they became my mentors. And I, I can't wait to meet them again in heaven. They're both passed on, but I can't wait to meet them and thank them for what they did to this little young boy
1: well and i've you might have heard that on one of the interviews I haven't done it every time but uh, in asking people you know who taught you and and uh, are, are those people still alive and if they are call them and thank them or send them a card
0: um, absolutely
1: and uh, if, if there's still that opportunity but yeah it's just you know I, I can I can feel the excitement just here for this interview uh, Rick and, and i I appreciate that and that's that's what we need to have in evangelism there needs to yep. Our juices need to get going a little bit and, and and so that we will be motivated and motivate each other I, I, I told somebody the other day one of the benefits for me this has been huge for me of uh, half about half of the guys that I've interviewed I don't I've never met them face to face you and I know each other obviously but uh, but it's been I'm developing new fl- uh, friends and people are starting to come on and listen and like and their uh, names I can't even pronounce I don't know who they are and but they're you know all <laughs> all over the world are starting to to see this. So we're excited about that. Um, Good. You know, tell us a little bit more about the, the church there where you are. Uh, what, okay. What's the size of, of uh, our Northwest?
0: That's right. Well, I moved here in 1986. I preached in Arkansas for a few years and then uh, and in Texas for about seven years. And I moved up here in 1986. So I've been here 34 years. So we've got a, got a Southern boy up in, in Yankee land, the frozen tundra. <laughs> And uh, some, I, I tell people that, well, I got up here and accidentally, I, I licked a flagpole in January and I got stuck and I couldn't get out. So <laughs> <I'm>, uh, <laughs> I love Minnesota. I've even bought my burial plot here. Uh, wow. So I want to, I love being up here because it, it was just, it was prime. I mean, there, we're the only sound congregation in the city of Minneapolis made up of 2 million people. And uh, there's another congregation over in the St. Paul area. So we, Wilson Copeland invited me to come up here. You know, <laughs> Wilson, I played basketball for you. And yes. uh, so he had already moved up here. I moved to Texas and he moved here. And so I started coming up here and doing uh, gospel meetings uh, with him. And then they invited me to come up here and, and began to work with them. And so we, we teamed up and uh, became, uh, you know, Paul and Barnabas. And he was Paul and I was Barnabas. And, and we, uh, we, uh, we started doing evangelism together, knocking doors. And we said, you know, with this little congregation, there's only 30 people here. Let's create a culture of, ev- uh, of, of evangelism. And, and you take one or two guys and I'll take one or two guys and we'll take them to buy our Bible studies and, and get them motivated. And I'll tell you, Coach, that is the, I still think the best evangelism program there is, is that if I will just take one or two and mentor them and take them with me, and now what we did is then they now are doing the same thing with others as they've grown up. And, and you have, then you have four and then you have eight, then you have 16 people that are involved in evangelism. That's the best evangelism program there is, is, is that you disciple people to, to follow you. Imitate me as I imitate Christ, as Paul said. And if we can get people to do that, now the church grew and it, it reached, uh, if everybody were still here that, that had been here, we have 500 people, but we've only got about 240, 250 now. And uh, we've, uh, we've appointed uh, quite a few elders. And in uh, deacons over the years, uh, I think we've got uh, 11 elders and 20 deacons, but they're not all here now. We, they've moved on. Uh, we've got five elders and eight deacons uh, right now. And uh, Andy Cantrell, who I hope you'll interview because he is 10 times the evangelist I am. If you can uh, get him on with this, this podcast, he's got a tremendous uh, workshop, evangelism workshop that he does. And, he is, and we do that regularly here and get people coming in the congregation and we teach them how to get out and do the evangelism. And uh, if you can get Andy on here to explain a lot that you would just uh, you'd be doing your your listeners a, a great service.
1: Well, we intend to do that. And I know uh, he's been recommended uh, by a couple of people. And uh, but, you know, back to something you said there. And I agree with you. If I have a study set up and I know you're willing to go with me and say, come on, Rick, and come with me. And because it's it's, I mean, think about it. It's not original with us. I mean, Jesus sent out the 70 two by two yeah. the apostles went out two by two. You see, yep. Paul. He starts. He takes Barnabas with him. He takes Timothy. He takes Titus. You know, yeah. That's how we learn. That's how we learn, and uh, yep. and that's how we duplicate. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah. So, so many good things there. Now, I know that I'm going to jump into this because I had heard this, uh, and I've been so proud of, of you and Wilson over the years. Uh, but I know that you started going to China. Let's talk about that. Doing evangelism work in China, which right now is not a favorite word on a lot of people's tongue <laughs> so uh anyway tell yeah, us, last, tell last us,
0: november coach i was in wuhan china
1: <laughs> isn't that something yeah uh, so you didn't bring this back did you
0: <laughs> yeah i did yeah it's, <laughs> no, it's me it's, it's on me <laughs> it's on you
1: now tell us about china because that's fascinating and the people will like to hear about this
0: well, we had a gospel meeting in 1991. Daryl Mail e. Mell was here from, he's from Colorado, and he was up here and he had just been to China. Jeff Kingrey was over there in, in 88. His wife was uh, invited to come teach English over there. So he went and, uh, and then he started inviting others to come and started built, you know, converting people in China and then started wanting others to come help him. And so in 91, we started going. Wilson and I both started going uh, every other year. He'd go one year, I'd go to the next and we've been doing that now for about 28 years, and uh, Wilson and I now go every year together, every fall, and we've been going for a number of years, and so uh, Wilson, he goes he goes twice a year, and uh, I introduced a guy here, uh, Darrell Dobbins, who goes four times a year, and so I try to go every year, and so it's just going over there and trying to reach that 1.4 billion people. It's a, it's a daunting task, but our goal is just to find, you know, one or two at a time, and then try to convert them, and then the, Teach them to teach others, like you were. You read often in Second 2 Timothy 2, 2, two, Timothy two, two, as I said.
1: Yes, that's right. That's right. Um, well, I commend you for that, and you know, so many have never had the experience. I, I've had the opportunity to go to Jamaica twice. I've been to Sierra Leone in Africa, mm-hmm. one. Um, and it, it's hard to uh, it's hard to explain those experiences. You have to experience it yourself. For example, when we were going to Sierra Leone, uh, we had some meetings and they were trying to explain to me uh, the poverty and the, the begging and uh, this the desperation of the people and the smells. And it was like, okay, you know, you're listening. Go, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. But then when you get there, you go, oh, my. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, boom. I had no idea. <laughs> but we all can't go to China. We all can't go to Sierra Leone. But we right. all... And I, you know we're all told to go into our go into the world and preach the gospel and you've said it before you've heard others say it but I, I like to say it dan barker needs to go into my world yeah and and rick you go into your world and then in a congregation everybody in there has their own little world and their connection they all the influence that they have over all their friends and family and 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 to learn how to connect those uh those worlds and and help each other but uh, coach you
0: ever heard the song bright in the corner where you are yes oh that's that that song appeals to me bright in the corner where you are plant plant the seed where you're planted where you are and uh yeah
1: yes thank you that's yeah thanks for uh, reminding us of that all right tell us uh let's do this tell us of i know you have several but tell us of one conversion what you can tell more but Maybe one that comes to mind that that uh, that you really remember and reflect back on that had maybe unique circumstances, or that 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 we would like to hear.
0: Oh my, one. Well, I mean, there's there's a number of people that come into my mind. That uh, one of them is Tim Applegut. He's now a deacon. In fact, he's an elder here now with us. And he was uh, 21 years old. Had come up to the cities from Iowa. He was an old farm boy from Iowa and come up to the cities. And uh and so we we were putting out a little uh advertisement for correspondence courses in the in the Minneapolis paper and, and he saw that and, and 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 took it and so then we followed up on that and then he ended up eventually becoming a Christian. And uh and what I tell you about that is is that uh he was one of the first ones that, that you know Wilson and I said, well, let's each take one or two guys and mentor them and then they become evangelists. And Tim was my guy, and so I started working with Tim, and this was many years ago. And, uh, and now Tim and I are elders together, and, and this guy is just, he's still on fire trying to reach souls. Every single day, he's, uh, he works for Wells Fargo, but uh, he's, he's, his hand is in the money, but his mind and heart is in the, in the souls of men. He's my, one of my best friends here, and he cares so deeply about the souls of people, and that's just one that jumps out at me.
1: Well, and I know there's, and I didn't want to put you on the spot there with that, but there's so many. And as you start thinking, you'll probably say, well, I wish we'd had time to talk about this one. But one of the biggest projects I guess you have is your preacher training uh, program. Yep. Yeah,
0: you that's that? uh, what, what yeah, do you do years that? ago. We, we were, won't do this for years and uh, didn't know if we had the money for that at, at the time. But we've grown to where it now. It's Andy and I are both uh, evangelists here. And uh, we wanted to do a a preacher training program and maybe start off with a summer and see if we could build from there and maybe get up to a year or two years, but it's still a summer. And uh, we have been doing it for 13 years now and we bring in a young man. And our goal is, is a man who's thinking about preaching. He's not sure maybe he wants to yet college age type. And we do him a service in the kingdom of God, a service. If he finds out he doesn't want to preach, but we, 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 we put him in here and we, man, when he leaves, our, my goal is he's panting. Like you, when you tell us to do, the you know, the, the killer
1: uh, runs in
0: basketball. Yeah, the suicides, suicide. The suicide, suicide. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and so, you know, you're, you're throwing up in the garbage can. You know, that's what you had. I still remember that, Coach, and I was throwing up in the garbage can all because of you. but oh, uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. But we were in shape. But we were in shape. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, our goal is for those about 13 weeks that he's here is to, is to just have him just panting. Day and night, he's working and growing and, and, uh, and going to Bible studies. And we've been doing that now, and we've had about 13, 14 guys in here. And that has just been a blessing to not only them, but also to this congregation, because they're meeting guys and they're seeing the enthusiasm, nothing like youth, the, 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 the enthusiasm of youth coming in. And we get them involved, and we do a uh, Spanish. We're like we had a Spanish guy come, and Daniel Broadwell here, and he actually spoke Spanish. And so I take him. He ended up converting some Spanish-speaking people, and now that Spanish work here is growing. And we've got we've converted several more, and now we had to start a whole new program where you know they put the transistor things in your ears, and one guy stands back there and interprets while you're preaching or teaching. And we've got, a, we've got a large now number of Spanish people that are here because of Daniel Broadwell coming in and, and helping me to, to teach the Spanish people. And we've had a couple of other guys in here doing the same thing. And, uh, and so little things like that where we, we, we feel like what we're doing is just taking a, a, a Timothy and then, you know, okay, now you go out and, and do the same thing. And uh, it's, it's just been a joy to watch all those guys. Every one of them are now doing some preaching of some sort. Uh, And they're not all full-time evangelists or full-time preachers, but they are all doing evangelism. And uh, for that, we are very grateful.
1: Well, you know, uh, just to jump on the one thing you said there, because that's the way your dad started. uh, You don't have to be a preacher to be an evangelist,
0: right? That's right. That's right. Uh,
1: To carry the title the way most people use it today. That's Uh, right. uh, I contend everybody in the congregation that's a Christian is involved in the ministry, right? That's right. The work of the ministry. So just a, you know, just a snapshot here of hearing that uh, when the group started there, they're around 30, you got up to around 500, or if everybody had stayed there. the yeah. average around 250, a preacher's training class, uh, going to China every year. I mean, you guys are, uh, you need to commend the group if you don't ever now. Do you, do you do that? Do you keep encouraging your group?
0: All the time, Coach, all the time. And Andy goes to India. And, uh, and oh, so, okay. so we, we're, we're spreading to the world. Yeah, we, always oh, commend them all the time. It's a very loving congregation. And, and I've heard some of your other interviews about, you know, the, the five minute rule, as soon as you services are over and man, look for the visitor because there's your number one prospect. And, uh, and so try to get a Bible study set up or let me get the Bible study set up with them, introduce, introduce them to me and see if we can get a study going. And we have converts that way. And so that's the congregation has got this evangelistic culture in their minds and not everybody does naturally, but, but we get, well. we're trying to get enough that, the the enthusiasm is always there when somebody comes in, they're looking for visitors now looking for souls. And if we can just get them thinking that way.
1: Well, and it is, it's contagious, isn't it? It We're going through this COVID-19 stuff, but once you, and you said that earlier, but once you go out and teach someone and you go, Oh, wow, look at this. And once we understand that it's not me, we give God the glory, but we see the, the power of that word. And you see people; it's like their light goes off, yep. And and they see this, and they want to obey, uh, and then then they're wanting to share, talk about their, you know, could you go study with my sister or my cousin or my good, you know? It, it just gets so exciting, and uh, but again, the zeal and the enthusiasm that needs to be with with this, we have to. Uh, Somehow, in a way that, uh, and some people just don't like it. Some people get turned off by it. Some people say, "Well, that's all you talk about, Dan," and uh, and it's not. I talk about other things, but yeah. but th- I know we have to have a balance. There has to be edification, and but also yeah. has to be the evangelism part. But all right, so somebody's listening to this and they're hearing Rick Lanning's story and they get excited and they say, "You know what? Maybe I can do that because if they could do something and." minnesota surely we could do it in our state right <laughs> <laughs> that's right but, but uh and they, and they said to you in this now that you've heard me do this every time but the one thing if somebody says i want to do this what would you say would be one thing that they would have to learn how to do or one thing they needed to do to get involved
0: i'll tell you one thing that motivates me coach is i, I go to the world population clock on the internet and like i was telling you a while ago looking at how many people are going to die this year, how many people have been born this year. And, and, and just look at the numbers where the world population is 7.8 billion, the births are 87 million this year so far. And the deaths, there are 36 and a half million uh, that have died. And, and God sees every single one of them. He created every one of them. And you, you think about the fact that he's going to, God is going to see up till this point in the, this year has seen 36 million people die and 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 have to stand and meet their maker and uh and if I can just get people to to care enough to think and put names and faces as best you can to that figure of just thinking about souls and caring about them and getting involved and and trying to seek if if the Lord could come into this world and his whole goal was to seek and save the lost like he did with Zacchaeus there in luke nineteen ten then that's that should be our goal is to find that one soul this year and try to bring them to christ and then bring then teach them all things that I've commanded you is, is finish out the great commission and then watch them that one year and then next year do it again. And then let that guy do the same thing. And then you've got four, if we could just get people thinking, not in the big, you know, I'm overwhelmed with all the numbers, you know, billions and millions, think right. of this, the one, and then that's how we eventually uh, are going to save the souls in our lifetime. And if I could just get people thinking about one soul, out of the other's millions, but there's one soul and and put a name to that, and pray about it. pray the Lord of the harvest that he'll send out you into that harvest to seek and save them
1: so good, so good, and uh, uh yeah that, that's just so profound we make it harder than it is
0: it is so, it, you
1: know it, the gospel, really, when you break it down, the gospel is very simple yeah. and and we self talk our things out of so much stuff and uh, <laughs> That's a, that negative guy I got up here. I got to get rid of him, right? He won't go <laughs> away, Rick. He won't go away. But uh, <laughs> all right, anything else that you would like to touch on that I didn't ask? Uh, I know one thing. If somebody wanted to reach out to you, what what's a good way to uh, uh, to contact you?
0: Our we- our website is uh, NWCOC Northwest Church of Christ MN Minnesota dot org, and you can go on our website and and look up there or R E Lanning. Richard Earl Lanning, uh, R.E. Lanning at Comcast.net is how you get hold of me personally on email, and uh, love to talk to anybody who wants to talk about this subject. And uh, in fact, if I can help somebody, uh, I'll be more than glad to do that. I'm not. I'm not an expert at this. Uh, an expert in an X is a has been, and a PERT is a drip. So an expert is a has been drip. And so I, if, if that's the if that's the definition, then I am an expert. Yes.
1: <laughs> oh, oh goodness, that's great. That's great. All right. Well, listen, uh, anything else that you would like to share with us that you were hoping you'd have time to? If, well, if thank you
0: for the impact that you had in my life, even though you don't realize it, you know, just those those two years we had together at school and, and what you did for me and encouraging me. Uh, it was great to have a coach because I, in high school, I had coaches that they were they were worldly, very worldly. It was so great to have a coach that didn't think that way and talk that way and uh, encouraged us to go to church and encouraged us to, to be soul winners and so forth and so coach you uh, you've just got a, a place in my heart that i thank you for
1: well thank you for saying that well, we love you and and again keep up all the good work that you're doing and tell andy i will reach out to him at some point but uh we can't uh, i can't thank you enough for it for taking this time today to do this and uh if nothing else selfishly just to get to see
0: it but, uh, you had you haven't changed. You haven't aged today, Coach. You haven't.
1: Oh, I had hair back then, at least.
0: <laughs> and I had black hair like you had black hair. And you had black hair. <laughs> yeah,
1: like I used to. All right. Well, thank you again uh, so much. And we will follow up with you on this, and uh, and we will talk soon. Thank you, Okay. Ray.
0: Thanks, Coach. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Melt my
1: heart and fill
0: my life. Give me one soul today.